Hello, Stephen Dan Fouts here from Teach Different. We're veteran teachers from the United States who are bringing together educators from around the world to learn a simple conversation technique, which we model on this podcast for you. If you're a teacher, administrator, or parent who sees the value of meaningful conversations and wants to join a movement to rebuild human relationships post-pandemic and fight polarization, then listen to this podcast, learn our method, and join our professional learning community at teachdifferent.com. Well, welcome everybody to the Teach Different podcast. We're uh, really excited this week to have a, a guest from uh, the Netherlands. Okay, we're going worldwide here. You know, as we know, we're trying to build this worldwide community of of teachers and, and educators who want to master and enjoy the the art of conversation both with themselves as adults in professional development which is what we're doing here but of course also with their students and we have a a great quote tonight from william shakespeare he's making another appearance and this one is from from hamlet um and it it's on the theme of communication we're going to get to that uh, in a moment but to refresh everybody's uh, memory and to reinforce what we're doing here, we're going to be using this, this teach different method for conversations. We're going to start with this provocative quote to get us thinking deeply about some concept in life. And then we're going to try to interpret the quote, state a claim about the quote. What does it mean to us? And we want to bring in our, our personal experiences, right, to validate the truth of it for, for us as individuals. But then just when we start agreeing with it, we're going to then flip to the counterclaim, which is where the critical thinking and the tension comes in, where we're gonna disagree with it and we're gonna do the very same thing, validate our disagreements with the quote, using our personal experiences. And then we'll end with some organic questions that come out of the conversation to leave you with, something to, to think about. Thank you everybody for being here and we're really excited here we go, William Shakespeare. And then we will have our, our guest, uh, Laura Wright, who will introduce herself when she weighs in on, on the claim here. The quote, give every man thy ear, but few thy voice. Give every man thy ear, but few thy voice. Laura, welcome to the show. Please introduce yourself and feel free to weigh in. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Um, my name is Laura Wright. I'm an international educator. I'm currently working at the International School of Amsterdam. I have experience in uh, the Netherlands, in Austria, South Korea, and also Australia, where I'm from. Um, I am very interested in prog progressive pedagogies, um, visible thinking routines from Harvard Project Zero, concept-based inquiry um, that I've learned a lot from, from Rachel French and Carla Marshall. Um, and when I came across uh, this, this routine, this approach to conversations, um, I was just, I was so excited by it because it just fits in so well with so many other things that I've been researching and learning about. So thank you so much for developing this and for sharing it with us today. I'm really excited about the conversation. 
Um, so this quote, do you want me just to sort of dive in and have a bit of a go? Yeah. Um, when I think about this quote, I, I kind of in the beginning was a little bit, uh, dare I say, cynical. Um, it kind of reminds me of something that uh, I don't know whether it was my dad or just conversations that I had growing up, but the idea of um, people, if people want to hear your opinion, they'll give it to you. <laughs> It's kind of an idea that kind of came to me when I looked at this. Um, but before we get into that, I thought I'd take it a little bit more positive and just that idea of that if everybody is speaking and nobody's listening, then those ideas are going to remain small. Ideas become bigger, converse, um, conversations become richer because it's more than just one person. It's something that we we build upon and the idea of like um, cross-pollination um, of ideas. So, uh, yeah, that was kind of one of the things that I thought about when I came to this. So let's try to start positive. <laughs> nice. Nice. Cross-pollinization. Uh, but you need, I guess you need listeners. The thing I may, I could add to it is that you need to listen. I don't know what Shakespeare would say the motivation of this person is. Like, why would you just give your ear and not your voice? Is this a way to maneuver and get what you want? Is it more of a shrewd advice that he's giving? You never know with Shakespeare. The answer is always yes. And he's also doing other things, right? But yeah, I just picked up on the 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 idea of conversations from you, Laura, and this idea of listening, where conversations are activities where if there are listeners, they're rich. You don't have to hear all voices from everybody necessarily, especially not at the same time. So that's kind of where I came from it. It's a little chauvinistic. <laughs> Give every man. I. I, I I mean, look, if you're going to share this with a student, wouldn't we have to circle that word at this point and say, you know, what does this mean? Why would they say only a man and deal with that that word a little bit? I think that might be a mini conversation. But Dan, what do you think? Yeah, I look at it. Give every man thy ear, but few thy voice. It's It's calling on us to think of listening as a higher level of communication almost with others. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, it's validating, honoring the act of listening and, and what you get when you, when you listen. And immediately, you know, if I were to use this in the classroom, I would ask students, we, we, Laura, we like to encourage students to tell their stories during these, these conversations. So a lot of times direct question to elicit these stories are, are good. So I would ask something like, you know, what are times in your life when you think like you should listen more than give your opinion? What are, what are those times when you feel that listening is the right way to communicate and see what they come up with, right? Depending on 
the age of the kid, you know, the, the younger the kid, I would think that many would say, well, you know, when my mom or dad says something, that's when I, I, I need to become a, a good listener. I'm not going to give my, my voice at that point um, or a coach or a teacher. I think that would be interesting to see how, which authority figures in the kids' lives they respect enough to be listeners. So that's that's how I would think of working with this right off the bat. Yeah. Um, a question that I have is um, when you present these quotes to students, do you usually uh, just dive in straight away to get their impressions from it? Or do you give them context for what's actually happening here? Because, I, I mean, I just did a little bit of research and the, the character who is giving this information, he is sort of not sure whether he is actually the father or he is a father figure to the, the, the son that he's giving this advice to before he goes on a trip to Paris. So is, is that context something that you would automatically give or depends on the quote? Great question. Great question. I would say, Laura, it depends on your classroom. If you are a, if you are an English teacher, mm -hmm. naturally you would provide context in Hamlet here. Mm -hmm. But we also, in, since it's a, the concept of listening and communication, for for teachers who would want to use it just generally, mm -hmm. then they can not necessarily go necessarily into the the context of, of Hamlet and Shakespeare, but they just kind of borrow the, the theme and move it in whatever. So it really is, it's dependent on the room. And Laura, one thing I would add to that is that, you know, if you don't get into the context where the quote comes from, it, it's, it's more of a blank slate for a conversation mm -hmm. that, that would, it, that will have accessibility uh, to everyone, ideally, right? Like if, if it's a concept that is human, um, you know, you don't have to know a lot about literature or Shakespeare or, or uh, about the story itself to know what this means. We want to hear about what you think it means, referring to the students, given your experiences. So it, it's, it's just a, it, it's something you can introduce, like Dan was saying, but it's also something that, that isn't needed. Yeah. Well, I suppose if the students were to react to the questions that, that Dan was talking about a moment ago about authority figures in their lives where they have taken that moment to be quiet and to listen more than they speak, maybe then you could bring it in after that. That's really interesting that you say that. This particular quote comes from a conversation between a father and son kind of figure. So, yeah. Laura, what is the age group that you find yourself working with? Um, I'm currently teaching grade five, um, okay. but yeah, it, it's really, it's quite open. I've got experience teaching um, most students up until that age. So at the moment it's 10, 11 year olds okay. um, and I've taught younger than that. And I've also taught older. Talk to me about the, well, what a big word, but what are the relationships like when you're 10 and 11 years old? You know, with, with some of the older kids, I think a quote like this, you could talk about uh, 
you could ask questions about it. Do you know, do you have a friend who needs you to listen to their struggles? You know, mm -hmm. it would be a little bit more heavy than maybe um, your crowd, but I'd like to hear about how you think they might use a quote like this to understand peer relationships. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think I'd actually kind of, uh, one of the things that I like to do is that when you've got these, these bigger kind of concepts, using quotes and also using like picture books. So if we take a story like the, the boy who cried wolf, mm -hmm. um, that was a circumstance where he said too much. He put himself in a situation because he kind of, I don't want to say spoke out of turn, but he didn't think of like the consequences of his words. So with students that are my age, I think, again, my age, my, my age group that I'm teaching, um, I think it, it can depend on um, circumstances that I'm aware of in the playground. Like, has there been a moment where you have been there for a friend and listened to everything that they have said? Um, has there been a time where, you know, putting it on the negative now, maybe you've said something that you shouldn't have, something that wasn't helpful to the situation, which can, you know, I mean, that happens so much with kids that are, you know, the age that I'm teaching. They can, um, the, those playground um, interpersonal sort of situations. They, they happen regularly. So, um, yeah, again, just going back to that idea of um, being careful with sharing your opinion without first listening to one person's entire context and maybe even multiple people's contexts before, before diving in. And maybe anger is, mm -hmm. is a, a theme you could get at and you could ask the students, you know, have you ever been so angry and then you said something that you later regretted? Mm -hmm. You know, that, that would probably be something where some people could share some testimonies to that. I, I'm just guessing, you could tell me, but anger is definitely something we all feel at all ages. And that, that feeling that you have when somebody takes the time to listen to you, I think is also maybe a, a positive turn as well as to say, how do you feel when somebody sit there, sits there and listens to everything that you have to say about something before chiming in and giving their opinion? How could you then model that when having discussions with somebody else? That's really good, Laura. That is that's so good. And also, I like to say, I, I teach high school, so juniors and seniors, a little bit older kids. Mm. But what I like to reinforce always is how you can become smarter by being a listener. That you're actually can become more intelligent than always trying to speak your mind. And I think that, at least to the high school crowd, is very counterintuitive to them. They think the smartest kid in the room is the one who's always talking. Mm. 
and this this is a, a, a yearly struggle to get to wean them off of this notion that if you talk it doesn't necessarily mean you have the best ideas mm -hmm. it's the kids who and i have this when i use this method in class i have a handful of students who almost never speak the first 20 minutes most of these for me last about 30 minutes that's the sweet spot for me mm -hmm. they'll say nothing for 30 minutes they will just listen to everyone and then when they weigh in on the conversation their thoughts are so rich because they didn't feel rushed mm -hmm. so the Again, this is a really, I think, a, an important um, thing to reinforce that the importance of listening and it gives you that that way to communicate where when you do speak, everyone wants to listen to you because you did the same thing for them. Yeah, just that idea of the difference between understand and understood, like focusing on this idea of understanding what others around you ha have to say first and not feeling kind of an urgency to get your ideas out there. Um, and, you know, I mean, we're, we're all still, we're all still learning these things, you know, yes. it, it's, it doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter whether you're a teacher or a primary student or a secondary student or a university student, we're all sort of on this journey of different expectations and different um, sort of, goalposts as to success um, of being a good listener and being able to communicate effectively with people. So many different contexts, you know, to be able to navigate all of them successfully is such a challenge. Uh, and, you know, this is, uh, I mean, look, listening, right? That's the theme. I mean, if we had to sum up the theme here, listening is more important than speaking you know to maybe overly simplify it we we like trying to rephrase it laura in a very simple sentence to prepare to destroy the house we just built okay and if we if we're going to come with a counterclaim to this i mean my quick answer is you know, maybe you should you should talk more than you listen. In some circumstances, maybe it's more appropriate to use your voice. That I think I mean, what do you think about that as a counterclaim, at least to start us off? I don't know. I think that sometimes if you are quiet for too long, then the opportunity passes you by. I think that you really have to be, you have to be proactive sometimes. And, you know, unfortunately, whether it's, whether it's right or it's wrong, people who do assert themselves and put themselves out there and say what they think are sometimes the people who are listened to the most. Well said, well said. They have credibility because they use their voice and they are seen as someone confident and courageous and actually maybe seen as a leader by their peers mm. speaking up you know back to i just 
shared the idea that I encourage students to listen before they speak. Well, there's another thing we do as teachers in class, which is we encourage kids to speak up who, who have a lot of great ideas. But as you said so well, Laura, they miss that opportunity where their input strategically placed in a conversation would have benefited the whole class. And they might have had that private experience, but because they didn't make it public, it, you know, it was missing. Something was missing. So speak up. I was also thinking about this in a very ethical way, where if you see someone being criticized, being intimidated, being ostracized or being bullied in some way is that the time to just listen mm -hmm. or do you have a moral obligation sometimes to speak up if someone is being hurt and that would be an, another interesting little side tangent to ask the kids you know have you ever witnessed something that you did not speak up and it ended up making a situation worse yeah, and maybe taking that to uh, that sort of local, immediate sort of personal context and then taking that a little bit further and seeing things that are out in the world. Like in the IB education, we talk a lot about students having agency and students demonstrating what they've learned and using what they've learned in action, um, taking action in circumstances, and, and maybe that is speaking out and saying, no, this thing that is happening, whether it's happening to me or it's happening in my country or it's happening in the world, this, is it, this isn't right. Um, something else I was thinking about is, you know, speaking and, and listening. These are um, ATL skills, approaches to learning. And one of the things that we look at is the idea of communication skills. And Listening for me, it's not only just using your ears, but it's also looking at the person. Like we've all experienced that with Zoom over the last couple of years is that that communication has been sort of limited because it's only listening. Whereas we know that when we're in front of each other, we're not only, we're not only interpreting what the person is saying, but we're also interpreting their nonverbal communication, their body language, their facial expressions, um, that can give a lot of information as well. So I'm not too sure how that fits in, but um, yeah, just that idea of listening, looking, waiting. But then sometimes we just have to act. Open our mouth and say something, advocate for something. You know, here's where I was coming from with this. I was thinking of it as, again, maybe more kind of on the emotional uh, level with the students. And I wrote down a couple questions here that maybe could be conversation prompts. Have you ever wanted to share a story with a friend? Okay, so get into this idea of, do you ever just want someone to listen to something that you feel you know is interesting or funny or telling jokes is another thing to do 
And then the other question I had was, have you ever needed to talk to someone about something that is bothering you? Okay, in those cases, it's more of like an internal realization that you almost need to use your voice. It's a, it's a recognition of that. Have you ever felt like you've had to use your voice for some other, you know, purpose or reason? So anyway, I was, I was kind of getting on that level with how you might be able to get the kids talking about their, their own experiences. Have there been times where you have regretted maybe speaking out or have there been times where you have regretted not saying something? There you go. Those, those nail it. The, the claim and counterclaim that's going to bring it out. Well said. I suppose another question that I have is, is that when, when do you know that the circumstances are right, the person that is in front of you, when do you know that that is the time to share your opinion? Write it down. You stole my question, Laura. Well, write it down. You, st you are a thief. <laughs> <laughs> but I had, how do you know when to speak up? Mm. Yours was more eloquent than mine, but it's the same idea. How do you... It's, it's in philosophy, it's the epistemological. How do you know, how do you know when to say something? It, it's an ethical question. It's a question that is a moving target based on the different context that all people need to decide on a case by case basis, lifelong question. Mm. And it's obviously not just ethical. It's tactful. You know, these are social emotional learning skills, being able to read a situation as an adult, you know, as a student, there are certain cues in, in environments that really should be tapping you on the back and saying, you know what, time to be quiet. Or you know what, time to speak up. Uh, but th that's hard to navigate. We're always everyone's always learning that. Right. So it's got the tactical side. It's got the moral side. Yeah. It's got me thinking now of like um, what sort of case studies. So, you know, I, I'm a primary school teacher, but I also did university English and, and history as well. So I'm just trying to think, you know, what sort of case studies could you bring in as a teacher of, okay, here's a circumstance where somebody said something and sort of, okay, let's take our quote and maybe apply it to this do you think that this was a circumstance where this person should have said something or is this a circumstance where they were right to listen or the flip when they've said something? Um, you know, everything, all roads lead back to pride and prejudice, of course. So, you know, was Elizabeth right in saying what she said in front of Lady Catherine? Was this a moment where she should have listened or did she do the right thing by saying it? I love how you're, you're taking the concept, as you said at the beginning, and you're transferring it now to a new setting where they have to apply this conversation to it. And, and that's when the learning just cements mm -hmm. because then they're, they're using their deep thinking and trying to you know, figure out how to apply it. You know, another thing I was 
thinking about with students is the ones who talk too much in class. One way I deal with this is I, I say, okay, just speak three times and then I want you to set back in this conversation. For some kids, they literally need that at the beginning before they're able to discern for themselves when it's tactful, Steve, to use your language. A lot of kids don't know when it's tactful. So you have to, I think it's okay, at least in the short term sometimes to say three and you're done. <laughs> so that over time they, they learn the listening skills like that. Um, anyway, mm -hmm. so every kid has a different button to push to, to help them get to where they need to be. I think also primary school students, they're just so busting to be a part of the conversation. Like seriously, sometimes, you know, putting your hand up turns into like waving, turns into, oh, can you just, yep, me, yep, just let me talk. And it's like, I think that's where those small groups of discussions are just so important to just sort of say, okay, turn and talk with somebody in your group of three. I think three is good. And then just sort of say, okay, now we're going to listen to ones. Next time we're going to listen to twos and sort of, you know, have a talking stick. It's my turn to talk. I have the talking stick. <laughs> great. Great. I want to be in your class, Laura. That's perfect. <laughs> Well, this is this is really good. I feel like we've we've done the claim really well, and then the counterclaim, as as well. There's there's different ways to look at this, from from William Shakespeare: "Give every man thy ear, but few thy voice." To wrap up the the conversation, usually, Laura, we just question. I mean, we already already asked our question. Actually, we we that that cat was let out of the bag so to speak but steve do you have any question that you're left with in this conversation or what do you think no i i like laura i liked your question i mean i wouldn't want to come up with something different than that because i think that hits at the heart of the quote in my opinion the perfect reflective question after this is done the kids can answer it support a perspective, you know, acknowledge other perspectives and, you know, come up with some criteria perhaps for how to know when to speak or be silent. I mean, I'd love to see a student come up with criteria. Uh, and, you know, I haven't figured it out myself, so I got to work on it too. <laughs> I'm going to have to answer it as well. We all do. <laughs> so, could we say it again? Could someone say it one more time? Do you have yours written down, Laura? I have mine, but yours sounded so much better. Um, so how do we know when it is right to speak or to listen? How do we know what, what things can we look out for? And I, I think that that, you know, I'm already imagining the thinking sheet with a little person's head in the middle there. It's like, what are some of the things that we look for? What are some of the things that the person could say? What does their verbal and nonverbal communication highlight to us that would cause us to do that? It's great. That's great. And on that note, that really leaves us with something we can we can chew on, um, and our students can can also think about. Well, Laura, it's been a it's been a pleasure loved your perspective. I think we picked the right quote. We worked with it really well. And 
I appreciate you coming on. I, Laura was a uh, participant in our uh, workshop we did through Chapters International. And we met her that way, and, and she graciously accepted this invitation to come on our podcast. And you've added wonderful value to this community, and it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. I've really enjoyed it. And I just think that there are so many wonderful opportunities to have these types of conversations with kids and really engage them exactly where they're at. Um, I think that your, your method is uh, just so simple, but can be applied to so many different circumstances. So thank you so much for, for sharing it with us. Thank, thank you again. Thank you so much. Thanks, everybody. We hope you're walking away feeling energized by some great ideas and have a sense of confidence that you too can master the art of conversations to fight polarization and rebuild our human relationships. Teach Different is your place to get the support and encouragement to make it happen. Join our professional learning community at teachdifferent.com. We hope to see you soon. Take care.